when my oldest daughter was around four years old, and this was about 15 years ago, she's now 19 and a college sophomore. When she was about four, she came home from daycare and she loved this daycare. Um, she would sing little songs. She would come home singing in Spanish and knowing all her Spanish numbers, all this great things. But she came home one day and she was sad and she had questions for me because a little white girl came up to her and said, her and her little group of friends, and she's like, I can't play with you because my daddy says I can't play with black people. That's one incident that I carry. Another incident I carry. My youngest daughter is now 12. And when she was probably in the third grade, she came home frustrated because she says she can say something and her teacher would get mad at her. But the little white kids would say something and no one said anything to him. And I had to sit her down and talk about how she had to conduct herself and what it meant to be a little black girl and the label that would follow her of an angry black woman eventually. That's something else that I carry with me. When I was in high school um, and I was at a high school for the gifted, I was auditioning to be in um, thespian societies. It was a theater club. And part of the initiation process is they come up to you and you have to say some type of poem or monologue at a random time in the middle of the street, in the middle of the classroom. You get the, the gist. And um, this school was on a college campus and it was um, a residential school. So I was basically standing in the door. I was on a college campus and I was in the cafeteria where I was told to recite my poem. And so I stood up at the table and started reciting this poem. So what if I am a black woman? And it's really a poem about pride and beauty, how we're so beautiful and wonderful. And this white guy comes and gets in my face like I can feel his breath. And he just starts screaming at me, <laughs> screaming at me. And I was incensed and I stood up on a chair and I finished screaming out my poem. And then I hightailed it the heck up out of that cafeteria, followed by several other black kids. Because at this particular school, there were only about 30 of us out of the maybe 400 student body. And when our first day of school, while everyone else was getting settled into their dorms, making friends, all of the black girls, the senior level black girls, pulled all the junior black girls into an empty room. And the same thing happened in the boys' dorm where all the senior level boys pulled all the black girls, the black boys, excuse me, into an empty room and talked about what racism we would expect while attending this school. My moment was just one moment that happened during the time that I was there. There were others. I still carry these things with me. Around... 2013, I was working in IT and one moment that stands out was, and I wrote about it on my blog. You can search it around. I might post it in my links, but there was a moment during that time I was entering my second year at that company. I was the only black female in the company and I was sitting in the conference room, which is located up front waiting for HR to call me. It was a situation 
in a phone call that was the end to a horrible span of days that had pressed into weeks where I was made to feel inadequate, uneducated, and unequal. I never screamed at anyone during this time. I never belittled anyone. But some kind of way, since I was the black female, I was made to be the villain, the angry black woman. And it was all because I was working towards promotion and was doing more work. The white women that I worked with were not having that. And when I went to the printer to pick something up, I found printouts where they were talking about me being an affirmative action hire. Who does she think she is? She's not as smart as she thinks she is. She just, you know why she got this job. And I had to deal with that bull. And I had to educate not only HR who said, oh, that's not racism. It's jealousy. I had to define that for them. I had to educate my immediate boss and I had to live with that constant bullying I was at that company for two years because I had a family to feed and I still to this day carry all of that within me my name is PM Kester and this is how to take a break the podcast for this week's episode we're discussing how to take a break to decompress If you have been listening since the beginning, you know that the purpose of this podcast is to talk about the ways that we can take a break. The past couple of weeks have just been trying, to say the least. And I was already spiraling there. It is so interesting. 2020 was supposed to be my year, right? I've seen other people posting that. And I still believe it's going to be my year. I, I have several things that are going my way. But 2020 has also been... An unexpected year. I mean, for many of us, we're still fighting a pandemic. Don't get it twisted. And you better be wearing your mask because we're still amassing a body count of deaths and people getting diagnosed with COVID-19. So my mind and my body was already overwhelmed and stressed with the things from COVID-19, health issues of people in my family, uh, financial issues from family members and you know that trickles down to you know other people during this time so I was already dealing with those stressors and then in a snap of a finger you're reminded of the tax on being black in this country I had to stop at the pause I was not posting as much because when you make it to live, especially as long as I have lived and to have worked in the environments I have worked in, uh, a lot of times in the fields and in, in these STEM jobs, which are great paying jobs, but a lot of times if you are a black female, you will be by yourself at the table. And if you cough wrong, you're automatically labeled the angry black female. And again, just growing up as a little black girl in Mississippi, the types of chicken fried racism I have experienced I could fill up a whole book so my mind has been an overwhelming mess of emotions and it's like when anyone asks me how I'm feeling I'm just tired I'm just tired but I thank God for the knowledge 
and the wherewithal to recognize that and to know that this is a sign immediately that I need to decompress because I have been down this road. And if you listen to like, I think my first couple of podcasts, I talk about how um, health issues that happened to me a couple of years ago started making me aware of how I need to take a break. And beginning January 1st of 2020, I declared this my selfish year and that's what I'm all about. And it's really all about health. So I'm going to touch base on how to take a break to decompress. I'm not really going to pull out, I'd say, specific breakaways, but I will say we're going to discuss decompressing as a way to protect your time, decompressing as a way to protect your space, and decompressing as a way to protect your health. So let's talking about decompressing, taking a break to decompress to protect your time. Your time is precious. It is valuable. And what I have learned over the years, especially experiencing racism and just being tired, because again, I'm going to bring, I'm going to marry the two. Um, the villain that is COVID-19 that has having a greater impact on the African-American community and the villain that is institutionalized racism in not only the United States of America, but the world. I mean, these are global marches, people. So it's like I told somebody else, being black in America not only means trying to check and see the barometer of racism in other states, but checking the barometer of racism in any particular country that you would visit. But that's why it's also so important to protect your time. In moments like this, when we are all feeling these overwhelming emotions, it's so important to protect your time. Why? Because when you are setting aside time to decompress, you need to guard your time because you need to be able to look at your calendar and say, from this point in time, from this point in time, I need to unplug. I need to put my phone on airplane mode. I need someone to possibly come take my kids or utilize time where my kids will be sleep. But I need to protect my time so that I can decompress as a way to take care of me during a stressful situation. Number two, you need to, as a way to take a break to decompress, you need to protect your space. There are going to be a lot of well-meaning people coming towards you during this time. Again, the two villains, COVID-19, race relations, and things that are happening right this minute in this country. You need to protect your space. You need to let people know that you need to be alone if you do, or you need to let people know that you need help, that you need someone that you can reach out to, that you want someone that you can talk to about your frustrations, but you have to protect your space. Space is something that is needed for adequate decompression, letting people know that this is your room where you can go off by yourself. This is your area that you need to stand in. Space is important from decompression. In my old apartment, I would go in and decompress in my closet. I had like a little chair in there and everything and I would just stretch out. And that was some of the best 30 minutes of a long time a girl could get. 
and the kids know people knew if I was in that closet you gave me my 30 minutes that was my space I protected that space I didn't start you know folding when people knocked or something like hey no this is not a shared good time everyone let's get together space we got other parts of the house or the apartment for that this is my space this is my sanctuary and I protect my space and I'm protecting my time in the space. So this is my locked off 30 minutes. This is my area. This is where I take my stand. Finally, let's talk about how to take a break to decompress while protecting your health. Health is so important during this time. If you recall, some um, about, I think I'm about three years out from when I almost had a stroke. My blood pressure was 235 over 100. To this day, my doctor cannot understand how I was still talking to her in that office that day. But that's also a good example of dealing with racial bias because when I went to the emergency room, I was not heard. I was passed off like I was some woman who was in there freaking out. Oh, she's having a panic attack. And I have worked in cardiothoracic surgery, so I knew something's going on in my heart but it took a female nurse person of color to be like hey sis don't listen to this doctor you need to go over and see this cardiologist she might have just saved my life but I'm gonna get back on topic (laughs) so let's talk about taking a break to decompress to protect to protect your health the CDC says that one in five women in the United States will have a stroke in her lifetime Stroke kills twice as many women as breast cancer does, making it the fourth leading cause of death for women. The American Heart Association says after a median 13 years, strokes had occurred in 410 black women and 3,934 white women. This is from a study, y'all. But listen to this part. Overall, black women had a 47% higher risk for stroke than white women, regardless of age. Those numbers are jarring for me because it was almost me. But what that shows me is that even with all the stuff going on in the world, we have to be a little selfish and take the times to decompress, decompress to protect ourselves. You protecting yourself, protecting your space, protecting your time is a radical form of activism. Being alive for many women of color, black women, is a radical form of activism. There are so many things being thrown to thrown at us as black women. Angry black women dealing with the intersection of being a female, being a woman, and being black in this country. Three double whammies of ways to oppress us. Being the head of a household. The higher expectations possibly coming at you. And now shouldering the burden, especially if you are a mother to a son of. If my son is out here in these streets and he could be doing nothing. Driving by someone falsely reporting that he did something or somebody having a bad day, a cop having a bad day, and your son not coming home. That's an extra layer of stress, which is why it is so important that your radical form of activism each day 
is decompressing to take care of yourself, to protect your time, to protect your space, to protect your health. I challenge each and every one of my listeners, especially my listeners in the black community, my black listeners, my sisters, my brothers, please take 15 to 20 minutes today whenever you are listening to this podcast and make it something that happens daily. Take 15 to 20 minutes to decompress, to protect your health, your time, and your space. Thanks for listening. Until next time, take a little time to take a break.